Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Waiters drives left side, kicks out to Davis. Three ball, good. And the Lakers are spreading it out right now, 78-71. Jazz within six, 45 seconds left. Anthony Davis through the leg, step back three, over Gobert, and he hit. And Holy cow, he's 6-10. As Lee Jenkins wrote in Sports Illustrated, God made him when he got bored after creating Kevin Durant. And wow. <laughs> Utah Jazz get beat by the Lakers, 116 to 108. No answer for Anthony Davis. He goes for 42 points and 12 rebounds. PK, that was a really good game until they started turning the ball over late in the third quarter, and then the Lakers pounced like that. The 19 to two run ended it. Yeah, I totally agree agree with you there. That Locke said it was 19 to five, but it, it the, was with a three pointer at the end of the buzzer. So it was a 19 to 2 Not run. Not at the beginning of the buzzer, at the end of the buzzer? It was wow. 19 to 5 to end the quarter, but it was 19 to 2 before the buzzer beating 3. Okay, yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Uh, I think Moutier put that thing up there. Yeah, absolutely. Told, oh, yeah. Hey, we were talking about it last night on the post game. You, you take out that run, yeah. you, take, you take out those six runs in the fourth inning, and you, you can't do that. It's not the way it works. But they played them well, they played them a lot better than they did. Uh, well, they played the uh, then they played actually the Oklahoma City Thunder. This is a far more competitive game, but that little streak there, just oh my gosh, just drove you nuts because the game was right there for the taking. But that run and Anthony Davis, I had a friend. Well, you Jazz can't put it on Twitter. Larry the Laker actually put it on Twitter. Why can't uh, or you shouldn't guard Davis without doubling him? Well, gosh, what are you gonna do, man? You gonna double him? When he's way on the perimeter, normally when you double somebody, it is on the low block. You know, yeah. if, you, if you guard, if you double him outside, it's more known as a trap. Well, Davis is just a special talent. So how do you handle that? And I, I said to Jake Scott in the pre, or yeah, pregame that I thought that if they could hold those two, obviously James being the other one, under sixty, they got a shot and they went for sixty-four. The problem with. Uh trying to trap him you double him he's so tall he usually sees right over the top of it so it's not the problem the way it is for most players when you can see over the top of a double team and put the ball over your head maybe if the other guys are spaced out it's four on three somebody's open so and we saw that a couple of times the high low stuff that they they ran and the dunks and the jazz are short literally without Bogdanovich so uh, the Lakers took advantage of that they went to the bench in the first half, and it was okay when they had to go to the bench in the second half. That's when the Lakers went on the run and won the game. So Jazz and the Grizzlies tomorrow, another poor performance shooting the three ball. It's uh, you, you got to say they're consistent. They stick in the mid-20s. This was a little better, but anything in the 20s isn't going to be good enough. You need to be in the mid to high 30s. 
So they miss a bunch of threes, and they end up getting beat despite a great game from Donovan Mitchell. We, we've talked multiple times that lock comes on. You know, you got to shoot more free throws. you got to be more efficient. And literally from the first possession, he was looking to get to the free throw line, and that worked out for him. Shoot double digits. He was very good. Yeah. And I think you, you probably saw the best that Mike Conley could give you. 24 and 8, being aggressive, yes. hitting shots. Yeah. Sure. Made, made all five of his free throws. Uh, only, only had the three uh, three turnovers. So they had turnover issues. Twenty one turnovers is way too many. But for as much as he handles the ball, three is probably a number you can live with. Joe Ingles had six. Right. Donovan Mitchell had four. Some guys who didn't play a lot, and Amudio had two in just nine minutes. So there were some other issues there. You need to get that twenty one number down around you know thirteen, fourteen, fifteen tops. The Jazz get beat, but if they play like that, they can win some more games. If they play like they did against the Thunder, they got a chance to, you know, go 2-6 and six or 1-7. and seven. But if you play like you did against the Lakers, then, you know, we were talking about somewhere, you know, 4-4, four 5-3. Four, if they, if yeah. they can repeat what they did against the Lakers, that remains to be seen, then they got some more wins in front of them here. All right, more on the Jazz coming up. We've got a lot of theories on what's going on with a three-point shot. Some humorous some legit. We'll get to that coming up. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. I do like being right. <laughs> Ask my ex-husband. Happens every time. <laughs> <laughs> ex. uh, there's a reason it's X, huh? <laughs> uh. I got a lot of run on Twitter. One joke about the X. Doris Burke on the call there. A lot of basketball yesterday. If you want to sit around, beat the heat, stay indoors, crank up the AC or the swamp cooler, and swamp cooler, watch hoops. This was your day. Fred Van Vliet, a career high 36, 18 of them in the third quarter. He just went off, PK, as the Raptors beat the heat 107-103. Yeah, smaller guy. I believe he was not drafted, too. And he's been a significant member of the Raptors obviously and Lowry and we know what a, what a great team they've got you know I'm pulling for them it'd be cool I don't really care but I would like to see it if they got out of the east because everybody pretty much left them for dead as far as being a repeat title contender once Leonard left well the fact is that's not the truth but they're they're still a very good team they're 3-0 and in the restart Toronto and the Clippers in the NBA finals huh that'd be a good grudge match That'd be a little sizzle. Uh, I don't. I don't think there was grudging, though. I don't. I don't. I don't think that that was there. I don't think that the. I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not from Toronto, nor do I know anybody from Toronto. But uh, I think you're right. That wasn't. Like, that wasn't one of the worst partings, and there wasn't. I mean, Kawhi doesn't say anything, right? So, so how yeah. could how could he say something on the on the way out the door that irritated everybody? But I still think if you walk away from the team and they're the champs, and then you meet them in the finals, that'd still be juicy. It's human nature. But he went home. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. something about going home that makes it different. Makes it more acceptable. And he delivered a title. Yep. T.J. Warren had that big 53-point uh, game. He backed it up with 34 points and 11 boards, and the Pacers went again. They beat the Wizards 111-100. All right, they didn't beat the best team ever, but man, you back up 53 or 34. Golfers always talk about that, right? You go low, shoot a 63, or you're probably not coming back with a 67. But he did, 34-11. and 11. That's a big game. 
Yeah, I think Phoenix just sold him to the Pacers. I don't think there was anything else returned to uh, Phoenix. Now that should be uh, one of the reasons why the Suns suck. Yeah, right. That should that, that should help the Suns ownership with the, the civic pride. And the, Way to go, server. Yeah, right. I think it's something like that. Yeah, I don't think they got a whole lot back for him. Lose cash considerations is what they traded him for. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought I remembered. Michael Porter Jr. Now, he was supposed to be all that exciting college talent, but he got hurt actually in a game right before the, he played up at the U and didn't even pra- came here but didn't even practice. Basically, hardly played at all his freshman year in school. Straight to the pros. Doesn't play in the pros. He's got some more injury issues, but 37 points, 12 rebounds. Somebody's healthy now. Denver Nuggets beat the Oklahoma City Thunder 121 to 113. And uh, we're all wondering, you know, how does weight loss affect a big guy in the NBA? Well, he can still use his body. He can still drive to the hoop, bump people away, create a little space, get a triple double for the Denver Nuggets. That look about good. Jokic. You never yeah, didn't Jokic. His name. Yeah, Jokic. Uh, he looked good. He got some help, and they got a win. Yeah, he had a well, big Well, you game. say somebody is healthy, speaking of Porter. Yep. And the reason why he played as much as he did, because three starters weren't healthy. They literally did not have three starters. And they put in Porter. Jokic would play, regardless of uh, who's healthy and not. But three frontline guys were out for Denver and Porter does what he does. They plugged I'm telling in, you, man, people continue to sleep on Denver. They plugged in the legendary Tory Craig from SC Upstate. Well, uh, South Carolina Upstate, who I only heard of because I think Majerus scheduled him back in the day. Otherwise, I couldn't tell you anything about him, including not even their nickname, their league, nothing. But, hey, if you're good enough to play in the NBA, they'll find you, right? Plug him in for 24 minutes. and He didn't light yeah. the world on fire, but 24 minutes, he got through it, you know, didn't melt down, so they get the win. He's Denver's version yeah, up, of Royce O'Neal. Oh, yeah. Upstate. Yeah, not downstate, not middle state. I think maybe their nickname is Up Yours. <laughs> yes, yes. Sixers win. They beat the Spurs 132-130. to 130. Joel Embiid with 27 points. San Antonio, they've been to the playoffs 22 times in a row. Can they make it 23? Can they sneak in there? They've gotten off to a good start. This is their first loss in the bubble there. They have played well early on. And right now they are on the outside looking in. Percentage points behind Portland. It'd be the Blazers playing the Grizzlies. It's really not going well for the Grizzlies. They're over the bubble right now as the Jazz get ready to play them. The Pelicans beat them 109-99. to Jazz will uh-huh. play the Grizzlies tomorrow. Coaches of the year, you were just talking about this, PK. It was nearly a three-way tie. You had mentioned Nick Nurse should have a shot at it, and he missed by one vote. And you mentioned Billy Donovan ought to be strongly considered for this, and he will share it with Mike Budenholzer, the Bucks head coach. Best record in the NBA. So Budenholzer and Donovan tie, and Nurse finishes third in the balloting. One vote back. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Free agent wide receiver Antonio Brown's got an eight-game suspension for the upcoming season due to violations of the NFL's personal conduct penalty. Uh, Teams like the Seahawks still keeping tabs on him. GM John Schneider calls it a complex situation. The talent is so alluring, PK. An eight-game suspension half the season. 
but the talent. You could be the one to turn it around with Antonio Brown. Have any of the diva wide receivers turned it around? Or if you graphed their output, you know, I mean, Terrell Owens had some awesome numbers in his career. But if you graph them, you know, the diva goes up and on the other graph, you, the production's going down. Yeah, what I always find interesting is the diva comes after. It never comes before. I want the diva who actually is before rather than after they make it big. Then they realize, oh, I got leverage and I can act like a freak and make everybody's life miserable in such a short span of time. And then when they hit 45, 50, whatever it might be, they realize, boy, that was pretty stupid. (laughs) If it could even just parallel, you'd take that. But it really is the diva goes up as everything else tails off. Catches, touchdown, yardage, all the... uh, all the, all the stuff that gets everybody's attention uh, in the first place. San Francisco signing uh, former All-Pro tight end Jordan Reed. He's got a one-year deal. It's uh, loaded with incentives. And he had concussions. He was playing in Washington. Uh, and, of course, they've already got a tight end, so I guess they're going looking to go double, double tights in. George Kittle has been putting up huge numbers for them in over 1,000 yards in uh, – receiving last year and the NFL deadline for players to opt out Thursday at 2 o'clock so we'll see if we get a bunch of names here in the next 48 hours or so DJ and PK hashtag college football Big 12 announced their scheduling model. Nine conference games, one additional non-conference matchup, and they're going to require that they all play them at home because they're trying to fulfill their TV contract. And the 9 plus 1 model should give them, and it gives them 55 broadcasts. The conference title game would be 56. They're contracted for 57, so no road games, guys. Got to play them at home. For BYU fans who hope to be included in the league scheduling model, that's not happening. Maybe they can pick up some individual games. TCU's out of games. Uh, I think Texas Tech is out of games, too, unless they flip the UTEP game to a home game. So there might be some possibilities out there. But for BYU, it, it definitely limits the options, PK. Yeah, they're still trying to schedule some games with this conference. Uh, let's see what the uh, Big 12 individual schools now do. It's not a conference decision anymore, as I understand it. It's more of an individual school decision. So, if you look at need some games. Yeah, if you look at some of the schedules, some of the games really aren't that good. So, fulfilling the TV contract, I don't know how much ESPN or, I guess, Fox, either one of them would lean on some of the schools. They're like, guys, you can't give us a steady diet of, uh, you know, Missouri State or whatever. I suppose Oklahoma, since they've already moved that game, seems pretty determined to play that one. Texas is playing South Florida, but then there's there's some games out there. If you look around the league, it's some pretty low-end opponents. I don't think TV would be that excited. So there's a possibility that even if they got a game scheduled, they you know somebody could swap somebody out. Yes. So yes, we'll have to see what happens with the negotiations there. And then would it be a one-off or would it be a home and home and the return game would have to be eight years out because people are booked out? I I don't know. Tom Holm will have to work that out and let us know how that's going to play out, but. But I did see that SMU, it's, it, SMU-TCU is still on the schedule, but I saw reports on Twitter last night that SMU isn't going to play. Battle for the Iron Skillet is The off. Iron Skillet. I don't know what the story is there. It's probably good. But anyway, that, that would leave TCU literally having nobody, that all of their games would be canceled if that report on SMU is right. So 
Maybe, maybe they flash back to the Mountain West days. They played some pretty crazy games. TCU's chancellor said football coach Gary Patterson apologized Monday for repeating a racial slur when telling a player to stop using the racial slur in team meetings. The linebacker accused Patterson on Twitter of using the slur during a confrontation of practice on Sunday. So, so what happened there? Apparently, he used the racial slur. You know, stop saying bleep. Oh, he quoted basically. Correct. Right. Yes. Don't say this word. He said the word. He right. said the word. Correct. Is that so? That's unacceptable, or is it not? I don't know. I it don't is. Know it on. is unacceptable. Apparently, that's why he apologized for it. So. Why no? But big deal. Who cares whether he apologized or not? It's a question of do you keep your job? Yes, I think he does. But I could be wrong. But I think he does. So what happened at Washington State? The athletic director, Pat Chun, the head coach, Nick Rolovich, pushed back on the accusations by wide receiver Cassie Woods of being cut from the team during the Pac-12 due to the Pac-12 unity player movement and insisted that Woods' removal from the team is due to his having decided to opt out of the season for health concerns. I don't know that one player matters that much, but a coach getting a rep in recruiting, I guess, could matter. You know, if the, if the other players start talking him down. I don't know what will happen with that drama right there. Well, when you find out, you let me know. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. We continue to hear and read about rumors about our players' actions in Atlanta, and we need to stop that. Our team and our players deserve better than that. As I mentioned, these guys are sick. Our guys were not running all around town after our game in Atlanta. So I, I need to ask that that stop. They don't deserve that. Derek Jeter, sticking up for his guys. Everybody wondering what the Marlins did, how they got it, how they spread it. Meanwhile, the teams that are playing, the Yankees are the favorites, and PK, they're, they're acting like the favorites. Eight and one. They win again. They cannot be stopped. They pounded the Phillies six to three, the final score. The Yankees, could they be any more impressive right now? I suppose they could be 9-0, I guess, but they're just crushing it here. Yeah, they got it going on, that's for sure. They got their guys healthy. Last year, they had guys that didn't have the lineup this year so far. Anyway, they're looking pretty good. Aaron Judge, two for four. So, didn't hit any massive uh, tape measure homers. Did have a double, so got that going for him. Six homers through the first eight games, but... Game nine, he'll just have to settle for the single and the double. <laughs> Padres beat the Dodgers 5-4. to four. The Dodgers the favorite in the National League. They Both those teams are off to uh, seven and four starts. And an opposite field homer for Tatis PK. He's living up to the hype. This is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, yeah, he's been living up to the hype. I know. <laughs> I know. And he is, uh, he is, uh, he's on Team Fun. He's the captain of Fun, apparently. I guess when you're playing that well. We'll see if he's that much fun if it goes whenever Oh, he has flair. Right? Yeah, There's big no time. question he has flair. Charisma, so he, personality. He's got a personality, too. Yep. He speaks English. Uh, I think he was born in the States, even though, obviously, he's a DR kid. But, uh, you know, his father was in the States, so he's, his English is fine. So, for 21 years of age, that's not an issue. So, yeah, and he's dramatic, and he's got... I don't want to say wild hair, but it's just indicative of his fun-loving style. 
Chicago Cubs pick up the win, 2-0 over the Royals. They get a home run from Chris Bryant, and uh, they get a, uh, a solid outing from Alec Mills, who goes seven shutout innings. The Cubbies, are they for real, PK? Are they going to do it this year? They're 8-2. I mean, that's not Yankee good, but that's awfully good first 10 games right there. Well, that's close to an 800% winning percentage. That really is close. Spot on. Yeah. They're on a 48-win pace. <laughs> Which wouldn't mean anything traditionally. No. Would probably mean you'd get the number one pick. But in this season, uh, I think you'd take 48 wins. 48-12. That's pretty doggone good, obviously. Yeah. That's uh, almost a 130-win pace. So Unsustainable, but a, uh, a great... A great yeah, starter. but you're not. You, you don't have that though. It's about 60 games, so it's conceivable. Because over uh, 162, no, but that's not what you're playing. Right. Well, it's a. They keep saying it's a sprint, and you see the Yankees at eight and one, and the Cubs and the Twins are both eight and two. So somebody's sprinting. Rockies are seven and two. That's an awfully, awfully good start as well. The uh, Angels, Shohei Otani has a grade 1-2 strain of the flexor pronator mass near his surgically repaired right elbow. So, no pitching for the foreseeable future. I don't know what that is. I've never heard of that. You ever hear of the flexor pronator mass? Oh, yeah. I deal with it all the time. In fact, it, crazy me, but I was always tracted, attracted when I was in high school Two girls, ulterior, flonator, mask, uh, you know, the code, that type of thing. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, we're going to see how many times we can say flexor pronator mask during the rest of the show. Also, we're going to talk with Ben Golliver, NBA writer for the Washington Post. He's in the bubble in Orlando. Talk NBA hoops with him next. Jay Drew, BYU football beat writer for the Deseret News, joins us at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Let's go! The Big Show. It's a big deal! With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Chris, have you noticed any trends with him struggling with certain things? Oh, the shooting's better than I thought it was going to be. You know, the games I've seen with the eyeball test have been pretty good. I think the defense is just awful, by and large. I mean, some of these numbers teams are putting up are eye-popping. I mean, there are a lot of things teams have to clean up defensively, and some of that's conditioning. Guys are clearly not in shape at this point, at least not in the kind of shape they were in before the pandemic hit. But that will hopefully come around as time goes by. It's certainly something worth watching. And will these teams get better defensively? And top-level teams like Milwaukee, L.A., go down the list. Some teams win by their defense. If it's not there, that's certainly a difference maker. The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ, PK, it's time to talk NBA hoops with Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Ben, good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing well. How long you been in the bubble, and how are you holding up? Oh, you know, I lost track of the days a while ago. Probably three weeks now, something like that. But uh, I'll say better than when I first got here. You know, they had us locked in that hotel room for a week, which was, uh, you know, a real immersion program to our, our new lives. But so far, with the games going, it feels like life's getting back to normal. It feels like we've got multiple games every single day, kind of like a daily doubleheader. So uh, for a basketball fan, it's pretty darn good. General reaction regarding the competition. 
much better than I expected. I'd say that. And I, I give a lot of credit to the superstar level players. You know, if you go back, you know, during the, the four month layoff, I think a lot of the talk was what's the quality of play going to look like? Is defense going to be ahead of offense? Which teams are going to have their rhythm? And then, you know, who all is going to show up? I think those were some of the major questions. What we've seen is um, at least all the healthy stars are out here and they're playing like stars. I mean, I think you guys saw it last night with Anthony Davis, 40 plus points. LeBron's had some really nice games uh, so far to start the season for the Lakers, but it's not just them. You know, Giannis was dominant against Boston. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard's had some nice performances. Harden almost had 50 for Houston. You go right down the list. I think the real takeaway that I have is, you know, basketball fans have been missing the sport for the last four months a lot. I think the Stars missed it, too. And I think they've all tried to come out here and make statements early, uh, you know, kind of get the, the momentum back after all the time off. And it's been, you know, kind of a whirlwind. Every single night we're getting somebody putting up crazy stats or, or you know, finishing with a game winner like the Sixers had last night. So I think it's been high-level play uh, and, to me, a very pleasant surprise. What are the biggest surprises, both for better and for worse, that you've seen so far? Well, I mean, I guess you, you know, probably want to start with the, the top of the league. I mean, for Milwaukee, they, ha- they have multiple guys out of the lineup. So you're, you're kind of wondering what are they going to look like, um, you know, other than blowing the lead the last night again, or a couple of nights ago against Houston. I think that they've been playing at a very high level throughout the scrimmage plays. Giannis is back in incredible shape, and he says he can still get into even better shape. But, I mean, he's averaging like, you know, 30-something points, 16-something rebounds, um, and acting like he's not skipped a beat. For me, that was kind of a question because they had incredible momentum, uh, you know, coming in uh, down the stretch of the season before the shutdown. All of it gets lost, and then you're in a situation where you don't have home court advantage down here. So I think that impacts the favorites more than anybody else because – and they were counting on having a dominant home court run uh, throughout the playoffs there in Milwaukee. So I would consider their ability to kind of not skip a beat despite not having uh, Eric Bledsoe and Pat Connaughton um, to be uh, you know, a pleasant surprise from their standpoint. Uh, you know, you look at the Western Conference, I'm not sure there's tons of surprises. To me, the two best teams all season long were the L.A. teams. They've both looked incredible. Um, and then you, you, you circle Houston as well as being a team that shook itself up around the trade deadline and, and is just playing a different style of basketball than everybody else. And, and they present total matchup challenges for almost anyone they, they take the court with. Um, that sort of played out as we've expected in the Western Conference. Um, you know, past that, uh, you know, I think it's kind of the, the usual suspects uh, you know, all the way around. So as far as the Lakers, you know, obviously they clinched the number one seed, but that doesn't mean as much. We understand that. But nevertheless, it signifies that you're a very good team. I'm wondering, though, do you think they have enough if Davis and James are not at the top of their game, basically, almost every game? No, they're a top-heavy roster. They always were. You know, losing Rondo and Avery Bradley doesn't help that mix. You know, I mentioned Houston's ability to – create matchup problems like if you go in against a a team that plays all smalls and they've got James Harden and a Russell Westbrook you'd sure like to have a deeper guard core of defenders than the Lakers have right now so I think that's a potential weakness for them the other big thing that they need is the outlet you know release valve type score the number three score who you can really count on is that Kyle Kuzma you know is that someone else who could step forward I think they're waiting to determine that there's an awful lot of pressure on Anthony Davis to carry the offense for them and, and LeBron of course as well and if you look back at LeBron's title teams, 
they, they've always had third scores, you know, whether it's a Kevin Love or, uh, you know, a Ray Allen chipping in with, with Chris Bosh down to Miami. They've also had guys who could just kind of step forward as really talented role guys and just consistently give you offense around the basket, you know, whether that, uh, you know, Tristan Thompson in Cleveland uh, served that role for a while. Chris Anderson, the Birdman, uh, did it down to Miami, too. And they're just really not necessarily constructed like that. They're, they're kind of a by-committee team just hoping that everybody can chip in a little bit. Um, and we'll see if that's enough. I mean, one reason why I've picked the Clippers over the Lakers is because of their depth. And we saw how, uh, I guess, hard-fought their opening night game was, even though the Clippers were down multiple players. I think if you add Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell back to the mix for the Clippers, that winds up giving them a big bench advantage. They're going to win the minutes uh, by a lot when LeBron is off the court. And to me, that's probably going to be the determining factor if those two teams meet in the Western Conference Finals. But the Lakers are right there in the mix. I mean, they've been uh, the one seed pretty much the whole season long. They've been steady. They have great chemistry. They support each other. They believe in their leaders. Uh, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, there's not the kind of sniping that we've seen from some previous LeBron teams. And so I think from that standpoint, they have to be regarded as a very top threat uh, in this title chase. So matchups are everything. The Nuggets are third. The Rockets are fourth. Can either either one of those teams take down either the Lakers or Clippers? Do you see one matchup in there that's more dangerous than the others? I mean, I think Houston's just uh, a trickier uh, puzzle to solve for the top teams than Denver. I just don't think Denver has enough firepower. They've been really hit with a lot of bad news. I mean, their coach got the coronavirus. Nikola Jokic got the coronavirus. He was stuck over in Europe for a while. Uh, you go right down the list. I mean, guys are, are banged up and injured out of the lineup. They just don't feel to me like a team that has enough momentum to really make a, a long and extended push. Now, that's not taking anything away from Jokic. You know, one of the best players in the entire league, but I just don't. The vibe that I've got around them is not, oh, there, there is some major threat to these teams that are coming out here looking like juggernauts. Now, Houston, um, their story could be totally different. I mean, they had two very frantic comebacks here in their first two games, and that wound up, you know, leaving them kind of uh, on top of the world after pulling off uh, both of them uh, against Dallas, uh, you know, and against Milwaukee. I mean, I, I think they kind of stunned the world in both those games. If they wound up losing those games late, they didn't succeed with the comebacks. You know, maybe people aren't quite as high on them. But you know, Harden's an incredible one-on-one player. Can kind of create offense everywhere. They take more three-pointers than even they've taken in previous seasons, which has always been like record-setting numbers. Um, they are very difficult to match up with. They put centers out there on islands, uh, and they're and they're very good at exploiting whoever your weakest defensive link is. And they get to the basket a lot. Um, you know, making use of all that space. It's just a tough combination. Now, can you figure them out? Um, I think so over the course of a series. If one of their bigs, you know, their quote-unquote bigs, P.J. Tucker or Covington, winds up getting injured, are they kind of dead in the water? I would assume so because I just don't really like their depth that much. Uh, but they're going to be a, a nightmare matchup for somebody in, in the first or second round. You know, one of those true contenders is going to have to go through Houston, I imagine. What is your level of faith as far as the Raptors? Very high, and it's been high for a month. You know, this is a team I've kind of been hyping up even before we got down here. I feel like they're making me look smart a little bit, uh, but it was kind of an easy bet. I mean, look, they're they're pretty much chronically underrated by the media, so um, it's always good to take a second look with them. But the elements that have made them so consistent all season without Kawhi Leonard are the same elements that are going to make them, uh, you know, a tough out here in Orlando. They have great uh, chemistry and camaraderie. They have a very creative coach in Nick Nurse, who's coached at every level, uh, you know, internationally and here, you know, in the minor leagues in America. So he's not going to be thrown off by the empty gym. 
Um, they've got you know great defensive length, versatility, and schemes. They know how to highlight um, whatever their opponent's weaknesses are and try to exploit them. Um, they've got multiple ball handlers and scores in the backcourt, which is helpful. And they've got a lot of length uh, in their front court offensively as well. And, and they've got a bunch of shooters. They can spread out um, and, and play you know big, but still you know have plenty of space to operate in. I mean that's a nice formula. They don't have that traditional big name superstar level player, which I think leads them to be a little bit underrated as well, but they're a really disciplined and together group. And when you're coming down here to Disney World, have to spend three months together. I mean, that's the kind of team that you fear because they're not going to beat themselves. They're never going to shoot themselves in the foot. They're going to make you work for absolutely everything. And I think if anybody comes out of the Eastern Conference besides Milwaukee, I think it's going to be Toronto. I know Boston gets all this attention and this buzz, but I think Toronto is, is clearly better than Boston. And if they matched up in, head-to-head in a series, I would take Toronto for sure. So would there be any extra juice to the Raptors and the Clippers, or it's the one time where a free agent leaving doesn't have the impact because Kawhi Leonard won the title, uh, because he went home, and because he never says anything anyway, so how could he have said anything on the way out the door and irritated anybody? Well, look, I mean, I think if you're the TV executives, you're less interested in that story, and you're more interested in putting the Lakers on against literally anyone. You know, they, they, I think the TV executives would rather have Lakers-Wizards over Clippers-Raptors, uh, as sad as that might be. But uh, I think that's kind of the name of the game down here. What we're seeing with the pandemic is just that the NBA's economics have been kind of stripped bare, right? I mean, they were staring at a situation. They had no revenue potentially losing more than a billion dollars in, in television revenue, um, you know, without being able to play games. And when you're looking at how they construct the schedule uh, for television, you know, it's Zion, it's LeBron, it's Giannis, it's Harden. You know, they basically just rotate those guys every single night. And, um, you know, I, I think that would be the, the matchups that they view as having the biggest juice. You know, I think from an ideal standpoint for TV, I think they look at it as Giannis versus LeBron in the finals. I think, you know, it, kind of shades of the 1991 finals with uh, Magic and Michael, right, where you've got the the older statesmen or the elder statesmen um, on the prestige franchise versus the young up-and-comer from the Midwest trying to get over the hump. I mean, I think that's sort of their their dream matchup from a TV standpoint. Um, But we'll see if they get there. You know, like I said, I would still pick the Clippers to beat the Lakers, and you could get a rematch between, uh, you know, Kawhi and Giannis, and that wouldn't be too bad either. You talk about being in that bubble. How much do you think it's going to wear on guys as we get into September and then obviously the first part of October? Well, I think it will, but, I mean, a couple things help. First of all, uh, look at what's happening with baseball, right? I mean, you're getting to see it right in your face if you're an NBA player. It's like, look, this bubble is actually helping us do our jobs. It's making sure that we can make money. The alternative is, you know, we're all testing positive, like the, the St. Louis Cardinals or the Miami Marlins. The sport might be getting shut down and all these other crazy uh, things taking place in other sports. You know, the, the chaotic element that has just kind of paralyzed a lot of our society right now is just not taking place here in the bubble at all. It feels strangely normal. I have to keep reminding myself, like, you know, stay vigilant. Make sure you're wearing the mask. Don't take any unnecessary risks because you know, it really does feel like we're kind of segmented from the rest of the society down here. And I think that for the players, that's a great thing because it means they can concentrate on basketball. And sure, their life might be boring. Maybe they're not getting to go to the clubs that they want to go to. But, you know, ultimately, like, you know, the money does talk and and the competition talks. And I think guys are settling in and and finding their groove down here. Now, it's a long run, you know, and for the the title level teams like the Lakers or the Bucks, I mean, they're really not going to play meaningful games until after Labor Day. And that's an awful long way away. 
So I do think that there's the, the chance for cabin fever to set in. But the NBA has been very strictly enforcing all of their rules. I think the players kind of know what the deal is by this point, and most of them are you know, very diligent about following the rules. If you, you walk around campus, you see guys wearing masks all the time. Um, you know, you, same thing with coaches and, and other uh, you know, team executives, league executives. I mean, people are bought into the vision down here because they're seeing that it can work. And the fact that nobody's tested positive so far is just the, the kind of the analytics and the numbers behind uh, the fact that their, their, their plan and program was well-designed. So I think, um, you know, at this point, some of the concerns that people had of, oh, people are just going to want to leave the bubble and give up on it and everything else, I think the conditions have changed a little bit and people are understanding the benefit of this kind of approach. One thing Donovan Mitchell said a couple weeks ago was that it was really strange for the players, but a real positive that, like, after dinner they can sit around a table and talk and, you know, maybe you see a friend from, a, you know, another team or something, but not getting hit up by fans and autographs. You know, they're free of their celebrity, which for some of them, and that hasn't happened for a long time. I mean, Donovan's in his third year in the league. But for a guy who's seven or ten years deep into a career and is a big name, that's got to be a really odd feeling. Oh, for sure. Well, imagine if you're LeBron and you're playing in front of 200 people at these Lakers games. Like, when was the last time LeBron only had 200 people watching him play basketball? Probably like fourth grade, right? <laughs> I mean, it's a completely different experience for him. And it's funny you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. He was actually the first person who welcomed the media out of our quarantine. We were stumbling around trying to have our eyes get adjusted to the light. And Donovan Mitchell was like, hey, guys, welcome to the bubble, you know? So I think he's had the right attitude uh, kind of the whole way through. And, I, you know, it's one of those situations where life throws you curveballs and it's kind of like, you know, you've got to make the best of a bad situation. You can sit there and mope about it and you can say, oh, I can't go to the club. And, and you can kind of, you know, check out on everything and just play video games all day. Or, you know, you can go to summer camp and make some new friends and uh, go fishing and maybe go golfing and, you know, try to win a championship. And ultimately, like, I think a lot of these guys, it gets forgotten sometimes just how ruthlessly competitive they are. I mean, think about how much dedication it takes, time, money, energy, um, you know, fitness, all that stuff to get your body in a position to compete for an NBA title. I mean, these guys are workaholics. They really care about their craft. And, you know, you come out here and you start to realize, okay, well, here's the terms of the new game, right? We, we don't have to travel anymore. We do get to hang out a little bit more. We don't get all the, uh, the luxuries of, of home, but we do get a really nice court to play basketball on. It's an incredible stage. I mean, it feels like a, a TV stage uh, where these guys are playing. Uh, you do get to measure yourself directly against all the other most competitive players night after night after night in the same venue, um, and I think for the, the people out there who are the most competitive guys, they're loving this because, uh, you know, this is just pure basketball competition head-to-head. Ben, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks, from, uh, thanks for joining us from the bubble. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Ben Golliver, NBA writer for the Washington Post, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. All right, we got a lot of reaction to the Utah Jazz. What has gone wrong with the three-point shooting? How could this happen? What's the problem? How can it be fixed? We will get to that coming up. Stay with us. This this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. It's an open mic. Wish Hans a happy birthday day today. Hans, this is your mom and dad. Happy birthday to our baby Buffalo. Yeah. Tatanka. Buffalo. Tatanka. Buffalo. Buff. 
Buffalo. 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 All we ever wanted for your first birthday was a shock collar and a restrictive fence. We didn't know what we had given birth to. Ma, you've been bad. I don't have a lot of requests on this show. <laughs> I really don't. But can we not cut up my mom's best wishes that turned out to not be the best of best wishes? Oh, happy birthday, my friend. Hard to top this one. Oh, yeah, it was great, man. Wow. Catch Hans and Scotty every day. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. DJ and BK brought to you in part by Syringa Network. Syringa is home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications. For 21st Century Utah, get started now at syringanetworks.net. PK, the three-point shooting is a major problem. What has gone wrong? The Jazz second in the league in three-point shooting. 38% at home, 37-9 on the road, and about 26% in the bubble. It makes no sense. I mean, Bogdanovich is out, but it shouldn't be that kind of hit unless, unless guys are pressing a little bit. Well, why would they be pressing the first game? What was their pressing? What, what reasons did they have to press about? I have to fill in. I have to fill in for Bogdanovich. I got to make sure I do this. Or it just started going wrong because sometimes you have a bad game and then you press. I don't know. You're the basketball expert. You tell me. It's one of those two. I would think. I don't know what else it would be. Uh, but it's it's doesn't go in. It's it's noticeable. Yeah, but over three games. Okay, Christian Yelich is an MVP. He started the baseball season like one one for twenty nine. Is he trying to make up for Bogdanovich? Yes. <laughs> because I got no reason for you. It happens. Other than that, just beyond that, as simple as that. Sometimes things don't have to have a reason. Sometimes they do. Not saying that discounting what you're saying, I'm throwing stuff out there. Could it just be as simple as they're not going in? I mean, Christian Yolich is a premier baseball player, and he got off to just an awful start. It made no sense. Well, you know, that would be, of, of all the theories you can throw out there, the fact ah, it's just three bad games and, you know, law of averages, a.k.a. the law of numbers, uh, will uh, will pan out. They're going to shoot 50% for a couple games. They're going to get back to being a 37 38%. I don't know if they get back to 38 because Bogdanovich was part of that, but if they shoot right. 36 or 37% from three, it would be so much better than what they're doing now. And they still managed to beat the Pelicans, and they managed to compete with the Lakers until they just started turning the ball over left and right at the end of the third quarter. That uh, You would think if they up the three-point percentage, you know, they'd win their fair share of games here. I agree with everything you just said. I'll take it a step beyond that. If the Lakers don't score any points and the Jazz make three more three-pointers, they win that game last night. If only it were that simple. (laughs) (laughs) You could fix an outcome of a lot of games you didn't like the outcome of. If you could just, hey, we're just going to race that that touchdown in the fourth quarter. Say they fumbled it away at the five-yard line and my guys win. Don't say fix, though. That makes me a little nervous. Say ah, change. Okay, change. 
<laughs> it's just there were guys who were expected to slashed hope for that they'd yeah. step up and fill Bogdanovich's role. And Niang was 0 for 3, and Ingles was 1 for 4, and O'Neal was 1 for 5, and Clarkson was 1 for 9, and that's 3 for 21. And that's nowhere near what anyone wanted, hoped, or needed out of those four guys. And you don't expect them all to be on. And, and Mitchell was 4 for 10, so no complaints with 40%. And aggressive taking him, so good. And Conley was 3 for 9. Okay, that's those two guys, that's good enough. And you don't expect all six guys to be on in the same game, but if just a couple of those four guys could have gone with Conley and Mitchell, it could have really uh, changed the way things turned out. You'd like to think. Maybe the Lakers just find another gear and win anyway, right? LeBron, it really did feel yeah, to yeah, me yeah, like yeah. LeBron was coasting in the game a little bit. Not the first time you've seen that in a Laker game. And then when he got a whiff of, ooh, we could go in for the kill right here. <laughs> he made a few plays. Davis was just on fire the whole night. And so, you know, if pushed more, LeBron could have, you know, could have brought it more. He didn't He didn't leave the court physically and mentally exhausted. You know, he, he just, he might have just pushed pushed it to another gear and won the game anyway. But still, you just think those four guys, somebody's got to help, and, and not the same guy every night, but somebody's got to help pick up the load for, with missing Bogdanovich and, and for them to go a combined three for 21, that's the killer. I think the only one of the ones that you just mentioned, and you mentioned five there, who should feel the most amount of pressure is Niang because your minutes are going to increase. The other guys, are they're going to get their minutes. Yeah, Clarkson get their opportunities. 20. Yeah, they're, they they they've been doing this now. You know, Clarkson came along what a third of the way into the season or whatever it was. So he's been doing it for a good while. The other guys are established players. They've been doing it. So it's not like they should feel any more increased pressure. A 32-year-old Joe Ingo should feel no pressure as far as I mean, you have pressure to perform, but not increased pressure because you're solidified in your rotation, especially now with Bogdanovich out. I mean, you can really suck, but they're still going to play you because they need you that much more. So Niang is the guy whose minutes have increased shot opportunities, and I'm surprised he's been this cold. Following up a 1-for-7 with an 0-for-3. And yeah. we, we've seen him. I mean, he's, the reason he was getting 10 or 11 minutes a game was because he can hit threes. And so now he's getting 18 minutes, and he can't hit a three. So maybe that's uh, where to really look for you know the pressing and all of that. Right. Right. Clarkson definitely pressing, though. Four of 17, well, I think, yeah. two of 13, visibly frustrated at times. Yeah, you could see it now. Yeah. But there there shouldn't be – but as far as Clarkson, there shouldn't be any more pressure. But he's in a shooting slump. Those are facts. And so, obviously, you're aware of, oh, I missed this shot, I missed that shot. Plus, he had a number of great opportunities to cash in that I think he normally does. If I were him, I'd be concerned. It's not like I'd be worried about it. I think, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. That's not the case. He's got to break out. All right, we got people tweeting at us about this. We got theories from other people. We will get to that next. Stay with us. Also, PK, coming up, uh, you asked this question aloud, and ESPN's Josh Lowe heard you and is coming with a thorough and complete answer, basically freaking me out with how thorough and complete. I didn't know that this needed 10,000 words, but apparently that's what it's getting. So we'll get to that coming up. Your question will be answered. Stay with us.